0: Welcome to Hey Jim Jim. Hey Sam, how are you mate? Good. Hey, last week we spoke about kangaroos getting stoned. Or not getting stoned. Or not getting stoned, which is obviously when you're consuming cannabis in its raw form, you're getting the acidic cannabinoids. Is that the right term?
1: That's correct, yes.
0: So talk to us about the therapeutic benefits of non-decarboxylated THC and CBD. So CBDA and THCA, and I'm assuming there are some other raw cannabinoids that uh, they could be therapeutically beneficial
1: yeah so these are some compounds that i've been really excited about for quite a long time now in its raw form when it's growing on the plant the thc is actually and the cbd are actually in their acidic formats so the thca and cbda and it's not until a process of decarboxylation occurs that they turn into these neutral cannabinoids thc and cbd So decarboxylation is what it sounds like. It's the process where a carboxyl group is removed from these acidic precursors. And decarboxylation is a process that occurs with exposure in the plant to heat, to oxygen and to light. So with just normal aging of the plant, so you harvest harvest your cannabis, goes through its drying and curing sort of process, the majority of the cannabinoids within that finished flower product are still in their acidic form and there might have been a slight natural decarboxylation that's happened to a small percentage of of the plant as that plant sits on a shelf and ages over time depending on how it's stored there will be some further decarboxylation that 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 occurs but it's still generally quite minimal at least in the first six to twelve months of that sort of flower's shelf life with that particular product if you want to speed up the process of that decarboxylation greater exposure to to heat and to light and to oxygen will do that so most people are what they are terming activating their cannabis when they heat it so that can be through the extraction processes that are utilized they can put it in an oven and they can heat it for a certain amount of time and that will turn the acidic compounds into the neutral compounds or when someone Puts it in a vaporizer or uses uses by a combustion method. That intense heat, even for a short period of time, will naturally decarboxylate that flower. And so, most of our studies have been done on the these neutral cannabinoids, THC and CBD, and they can provide wide ranging therapeutic effects. But the acidic precursors as well, which are abundant in all of the cannabis that is being produced, also have their unique characteristics that can provide therapeutic benefit. So if we look at THCA specifically, THCA has specific activity that's very different to THC. It doesn't cause any intoxication. It doesn't directly interact with the body's cannabinoid receptors in a significant way. There are some preclinical studies that show that it might be a positive allosteric modulator of the cannabinoid receptors, which means that it can enhance the effects of other molecules that bind to these receptors. So that can make it so that your body's own endocannabinoids work more effectively, or the plant cannabinoids like THC might work more effectively when they're in combination with THCA. But most of the effects of THCA are through different receptors that are part of what is known as the expanded endocannabinoid dome rather than the classical endocannabinoid system. So most activity of THCA is through par receptors, which are these nucleic receptors, which are inside the cell and affect gene transcription and expression of different proteins. And they can have effects on inflammation and on metabolism, a range of other processes or through TRPV receptors, which are also receptors that are involved with a lot of the benefits of things like CBD. But the main things we've seen where THCA shines is it can have really powerful anti-nausea properties. So it can be 10 times as strong as THC in some animal study models. And it also seems to have some immune modulating and anti-inflammatory effects through these part receptors. So consistent use over a period of time, and it does take a couple of weeks before this gene transcription protein process does take effect but it can have some powerful anti-inflammatory and immune-modulating benefits as well. And because it doesn't activate those cannabinoid receptors in that sort of direct way, it's non-intoxicating, so it's a very gentle medicine, it's very well tolerated. And because these compounds are in their acidic form as well, they're much more water-soluble, which means they have higher bioavailability. Because one of the issues with neutral cannabinoids is that they are so strongly lipophilic that they're hard for the body to, it does have an increased bioavailability because of that. So THCA and CB and THC are very different compounds. So
0: these aren't present in oils mainly because the production process to create the oil requires it to be made under heat or pressure to extract the cannabinoids and therefore it's decarboxylating it in that process. So if you That's wanted correct. to create an oil that had, say, a high concentration of THCA or CBDA, you, you'd, you'd have to have a whole different extraction process and people just aren't doing it because there's not demand for it or because there's not a, a wide enough understanding of the therapeutic benefits of it.
1: There's, yeah, those two reasons, definitely. So the lack of understanding of the therapeutic benefit, the demand's not there because it doesn't have the same hype around it as CBD and THC. But the other thing is that the commercial extraction processes like ethanol and CO2, which can do high volume extraction runs. So people can put large amounts of biomass through at one time and create a relatively large output, they naturally decarboxylate the product. So they're the most commercially available and commercially viable for big operators. If you want to create a product that maintains the acidic compounds in the finished product, you need to have a more nuanced extraction process that's probably going to do smaller runs and require more care and attention to the detail around maintaining those acidic compounds at the end. Using a solventless extraction can maintain those acidic compounds and then pressing it into rosin makes it a very malleable extract to then utilize in other formulations.
0: Yeah, so if you make, say, a bubble hash or a ice bath extraction, mm-hmm. and then you freeze dry it <clears throat> in order to then get that into a, to, to a place where you could start to utilize it. Do you not have to press it? And in pressing it, do you not carboxylate it or you only de- decarboxylate it to a small effect?
1: Yeah. So when you, so you don't necessarily need to press it. You can just use the bubble hash or the keef or whatever the just the concentrated tri, trichromes. There just will be sedimentation and these types of things if you do mix it in with an oil because you still have some of the 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 cell walls and these types of things from the plant. When you are pressing it with a rosin press, yes, there is pressure and there is a small amount of heat, but it's not extremely high pressure and the temperatures aren't extremely high either. And all that is doing is trying to break down that, that sort of cell wall so that the active compounds come out of it. And it's probably
0: it, worthwhile explaining that when it is pressed, the uh, the material is put into a fine mesh bag, typically, pressed, put under heat and pressure or pressure, and then what comes out is what's left in that fine mesh bag is, as you say, the cellulose and other mm-hmm. pieces, and what you get out the, is more the pure concentrate.
1: That's correct, yeah. So then we've spoken a bit about THCA. Like I said, they're varied. THCA and THC are very different compounds, but both have quite, you know, quite interesting therapeutic potential. THCA, I also should say there, are, there is some evidence for certain individuals that it can be a powerful anticonvulsant medicine as well, but it seems to be only in some populations within those with epilepsy. Then when looking at CBDA, and this is one that I think we should have in much greater abundance, CBDA and CBD seem to work quite similarly. CBDA has that same pleiotropic mechanism where it activates a range of different receptors, enzymes, and neurotransmitters. So the promiscuity of CBD is maintained in in CBDA because it's in its acidic formulation. Like I said, it's more water-soluble, which means it has much greater bioavailability. So it can be absorbed up to 50 times more than CBD. So that's going to mean it's going to be more efficacious at lower doses because of that increased bioavailability. It does seem to also have some other added benefits. It seems to have stronger anti-inflammatory effects than CBD through COX-2 pathways, which is how some conventional non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs work. It does seem to have stronger binding affinity to certain receptors as well, including the serotonin receptors and the TRPB1 receptors, making it more potent at certain receptors that CBD acts upon. The biggest difference between CBDA and cbd though is that cbda doesn't have that negative allosteric modulation of the cb1 receptor that cbd has and that is the action that makes makes cbd increase the tolerability of thc so one of cbd's main benefits is that it reduces the intoxicating or anxiety provoking nature of thc and so that makes it more tolerable, widens a therapeutic window. There are some synergistic benefits of having them together, but for certain individuals that dampening down of the effect of THC at the CB1 receptors can actually reduce the efficacy of THC as well. So you end up needing to use more. It might be more tolerable, but you end up needing to use more because the activity is lessened. So CBDA doesn't have that effect. So when you put CBDA and THC together you get the full full effect of the two combined. But if you're using it to try and moderate and modulate that the response to THC, you're just not going to get that same effect with CBDA. I really think CBDA and THCA should be present in a lot of our formulations, either on their own or in combination with these other compounds. Can you find any products today
0: with these CBDA and THCA in them?
1: Look, with a lot of these, I have traditionally got them to get the whole flower because, like I said, that's still got the majority of its cannabinoids in there are in their acidic form and getting them to either eat a little bit of raw cannabis or to actually use it in a tea, creating a decoction because of that water solubility. You can use it in that way. There are a couple of companies that have some CBDA in their products. Are we allowed to name those? I don't think so. so probably not. But there are there, there are a couple of companies out in there. In o- oils? In oils.
0: There, there was a bit of talk over the COVID period people talking about consuming raw cannabis as a anti-inflammatory that Mm. may have some benefit for folks who had COVID. And I remember when I got COVID, I just ground up some of my prescribed flour Mm -hmm. and ate it with some peanut butter. Is that getting a heroic dose of CBDA or THCA? Is that a good way of doing it or not real?
1: Yeah, so look, the COVID, that COVID study was done done in test tubes so whether there's translational effects into humans is yet to be determined and the thing that study showed was that the acidic compounds predominantly cbda and cbga i think thca a little bit but i don't think they studied it as much because of the federal regulations in the states with any thc products so it was more looking at cbda and cbga from my recollection and they showed that it was bound to the spike protein. So it actually stopped co- the COVID SARS-CoV-2 virus actually enter- entering the cell. So it wasn't just about reducing inflammation and having an immune modulating effect to stop the... Inflammation that, of the body. That Yeah, cytokine storm. It was like and a the, nightclub bouncer. Yeah, it was, blo- it was blo- blocking entry just from a general looking at the pathophysiology of these types of viral infections and the inflammatory process and the inflammatory cascade that occurs. The anti-inflammatory and immune modulating effects of these acidic compounds will have those secondary benefits as well. But just to be clear,
0: we're not saying that THC or CBDA should be used for COVID?
1: We're not saying it should, but it's something to consider. And there are people out there who are using cannabis longer term, more CBD preparations for things like long COVID as well and the symptoms around that.
0: So there might be some new cannabis prescribers out there who've got extra questions for you. Perhaps what we could do is put up your Calendly link, Mm -hmm. which is for cannabis prescribers, doctors, GPs, and specialists who want to have a chat one-on-one with Jim, and they could perhaps reach out to you and schedule a time to have a one-on-one to do a bit more deep dive or to get those product names from you that do contain those acidic cannabinoids.
1: That'd be awesome. Thanks,
0: Jim. All right, see you, mate.